welcome to the After the Bell podcast, brought to you by Connects Education Academy. Our podcast is here to help teachers, leaders and tutors. We will be discussing the latest issues in education and sharing top tips for use in the classroom, both face-to-face or virtually. Welcome back to the After the Bell podcast. Georgie McIntyre here, Director of Learning and Development for Connects Education Academy. And welcome to our podcast series, which are focusing on students with SEND. I'm joined by Andy Bridge, a current Deputy Head Teacher, and Debbie Davis, Head Teacher of an Independent Special School and Experienced ENCO. In this podcast, our focus remains on supporting students with SEND. Previously, we've discussed these through a lens. We are now going to focus in on considering targeted areas challenges of SEND, which include supporting students with dyslexia. Support by Made from Dyslexia estimates that as many as one in five people are dyslexic and 80% of children with dyslexia leave school unsupported and undiagnosed. As a result, increased awareness amongst professionals working within the educational sector is crucial. Early recognition and support can be instrumental in improving outcomes for children and young people with dyslexia. So let's begin with our overview of what dyslexia actually is. Debbie, can you share share us, tell us more about dyslexia, please? Of course. Um, the British Dyslexia Association has adopted the ROSE 2009 definition of dyslexia I'll share this with you, uh, the, the extract that um, I read from that I've read from their website. So dyslexia is a learning difficulty that primarily affects the skills involved in accurate and fluent word and word, uh, word reading and spelling. Characteristic features of dyslexia are difficulties in um, phonological awareness, verbal memory and verbal processing speed. Dyslexia occurs across a range of intellectual abilities. It is best thought of as a continuum, not a distinct category, and there are no clear cutoff points. Co-occurring difficulties may be seen in aspects of language, motor coordination, mental calculation, concentration and personal organisation, but these are not by themselves markers of dyslexia. A good indication of the severity and persistence of dyslexic difficulties can be gained by examining how the individual responds or has responded to well-founded intervention. The British Dyslexia Association, the, the BDA, acknowledges the visual and auditory processing difficulties that some individuals with dyslexia can experience and points out that dyslexic readers can show a combination of abilities and difficulties that affect the learning process. Some also have strengths in other areas, such as design, problem solving, creative skills, interactive skills, and oral skills. And that's the British Dyslexia Association 2010. Thank you for sharing those, Debbie, because they're they're very um, thorough in their description of dyslexia and, and the challenges and also the strengths that a, a student with dyslexia will present. Can you break it down and tell us some of the issues that students with dyslexia might face? Yeah, of course. So I think um, it's important to point out that with dyslexia, the 
some of the issues that students might see are going to be age and stage dependent. So with you know the very youngest preschool children, it could be that they start to talk later than other children their age. When they do start to speak, they might have some issues with pronunciation. So for example, might say baguette instead of spaghetti. Um, they could be slower acquiring new vocabulary, find it difficult to remember the correct word for things. Um, that you know, th there's many different examples. That's just a few. Um, at that age, it's often the case that those children might have difficulty remembering the alphabet, numbers, days of the week, months of the year. In the, those kind of basic things that we teach children very early on, that they often pick up just through repetition. It can be a really early indicator that there might be some dyslexic tendencies if children some of those things, you know, even how to spell and write their own name. Debbie, do you have any examples of issues faced in the later years, let's say in teenage years? Oh, oh yes. Um, uh, this is the age group that I, I work with, and, and I can tell you uh, that we see the following. So teenagers reading very slowly with many in inaccuracies, when it comes to spelling, it might be incorrect or it is incorrect, and the same word might be spelt differently on a single piece of writing. Often reading and writing activities are avoided and misreading words and sentences is, is, is common. Um, I'm a linguist myself and I've found that dyslexic st students with dyslexia might have a difficulty learning a foreign language. Uh, abstract concepts uh, are a challenge and such students may work slowly and have difficulty with planning and time management if, uh, if, if that helps. There appears to be many challenges and, and I'm wondering actually how can staff support students with dyslexia Andy? You know, I mean obviously if a student's going to come into your lesson and they've got real struggles with reading um, one way that's going to present itself is with a lack of confidence so I often find students will either withdraw and try to be invisible in the lesson if they really struggle with their reading or the opposite and try and distract from that idea of the reading. So it could be boisterous, silly behaviour that's going to distract you from the fact that they can't actually do the task that you've given them. So I think anything to build that confidence is really important. But it might be, um, you know, just regularly pointing out really successful people that have done well in their careers that have got dyslexia. Um, Sir Richard Branson, Kieran Knightley, Jamie Oliver, all good examples of people who haven't let dyslexia hold them back. They've gone on to, you know, achieve some huge things in various fields. Um, so I think that confidence building is important. And then in terms of teaching and learning, really just a lot of the things that we've already spoken about. So not not overwhelming students with too much information all at once, breaking things down into small steps and introducing them gradually one by one. If you've got a lot of text for students to read. Think about the spacing of that. Think about how that's laid out on the page. Bullet points and spacing between lines and paragraphs could be helpful. Images might break up some of that text, but making sure that your pages aren't too cluttered and overwhelming with information. Really just strip things back to the key things that need to be on the page, I would say. And are there any other practical tips, Andy, that you can share? Yeah, do you know, I think it, it starts with culture. Um, we need to embrace the fact that there will be students in our lessons that have got learning differences, neurodiversity, um, and we can celebrate the uniqueness of being dyslexic. It's not a, shouldn't be something that students feel ashamed of, but, you know, they've got a challenge and we need to help them to overcome that, but that's not something that they should um, 
feel they need to keep secret or try and avoid letting anyone know. So um, Matt Hancock, obviously Conservative MP, he's recently said, you know, we need teacher training to cover the modern evidence-based techniques of teaching dyslexic children and those with other neurodiversities. All teachers are teachers of dyslexic children, and yet there is inadequate teacher training for neurodiversity. So quite a controversial statement there. Um, I'm sure there are many great teacher training providers that do upskill teachers in these areas. But on the whole, a lot of teachers do they, they do feel not very well equipped to support students that have got some of these particular needs. Um, so I think those acknowledging that and embracing that idea and striving to, to upskill ourselves really is a, a great starting point. I think different things uh, you've got reference down here also around sort of making sure that you create displays of famous people and quotes and being positive is key, I think, isn't it? With students, they need dyslexia, they need, they need uh, praise and support to make sure that they don't feel isolated or, or singled. Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And I don't know uh, what about sort of, you know, when they when they are arriving at school, how would you manage that situation? I think it's information sharing, it's making teachers aware of which students might have these issues and who might struggle. Um, and as we said, not making that point of shame. Of course, you know, we shouldn't just say, oh, they've got dyslexia, we'll never teach them how to read. Of course, let's put that intervention into place. Let's let's teach them to read, absolutely. But within our day-to-day -day teaching, we need to find ways to be inclusive and to be accessible. And, you know, we've said all along in terms of teaching and learning, there's special things that would help SEMD students that wouldn't help others. It's going to help all your students if you hand out some resources and cluttered. It's going to help everybody if you've identified the key point paragraph. So these are just things that are, are good habits that if we get into as teachers, everyone will benefit. Debbie, you mentioned the issues with reading and writing. Are there any sort of top tips here at all? Uh, oh, yes. Um... So for reading, I see good practice when teachers do the following. So they arrange for any lengthy text reading to be supported by a buddy or a support assistant or recorded in advance. Great practice to record in advance. Um, ensure that uh, a dyslexic learner can read a text easily before expecting them to read aloud. It really is quite petrifying to have to read aloud for some students who are dyslexic. So be aware of that. Um, use cream or pastel coloured paper where possible to reduce the glare. Use blue, brown, red, green or purple board markers in preference to black. Very, very simple um, ways that you can support someone who has dyslexia, but very, very effective. Um, and this makes it easier for students to to actually read use a color to separate key information written on the board for instance in terms of writing writing can be supported by uh, using writing frames i've seen that done many times where you'll begin uh, with a, an opener and then you'll ask the young people to write in between the lines and then you'll help them with certain words or phrases and ensure that learners have a model close by to copy from or maybe to look or refer to or work through with the TA. 
allow students with literacy difficulties to write directly onto worksheets if, if you do provide worksheets and make sure that the worksheets are the right colour and the right font as I've mentioned above um, uh, in the conversations that we've just had. So provide keywords for independent writing, uh, encourage the use of spell checkers and word mats and I love to see, and I know I'm going on about visualisers, and I know I mentioned them in the last podcast, but wow, you know, seeing uh, modelling used on a live visualiser uh, for thought processes is just, well, it's it's fantastic practice, really. Thank you, Debbie. Some great ideas to take away there. Andy, finally, how can schools find out if a student is suffering from dyslexia? Yeah, so I think... Um, you know, just being aware of some of the things that might present themselves in how a student reads in class or reads one to one to you or the things that we see in their exercise book might give you some initial indicators that there could be some dyslexic tendencies here. Um, and if that is what you spot in, the Senko really is your first point of call. Um, they then might want to observe the student in their in the classroom environment. They want, might want to talk with the adults involved in their learning. They might ask the child to take part in a series of tests and examine language development and vocabulary. Um, and if all those things that they do do flag up that there are some real dyslexic tendencies, at that point, they might then refer them on for specialist assessment. Now, that's usually carried out by either an educational psychologist or uh, a qualified specialist dyslexia teacher who's got the postgraduate um, qualification to assess for dyslexia. Um, and once they do those assessments, if it does come back that the, the child does have dyslexia, they'll then be able to support the child and the teachers and the parents by giving specific strategies, suggesting interventions and really looking at how we can support that child to, to those difficulties. I can see here we we definitely got uh, some experts on on the podcast today and you can actually find out more about doing the diagnostic assessments by visiting the British Dyslexia Association um, who have got some great guidance on those areas. So here at Connects Education Academy we hope that this podcast has been helpful to you in respect of understanding and responding positively to the needs of students with dyslexia. Our next podcast is equally as insightful. We look at ways to raise awareness and support students with dyscalculia, and we hope to have you join in with that session. You can pick up the After the Bell podcasts, which are released on a weekly basis and provide quick tips and discussions with our experts around all things educational. And you can access these hopefully on your daily commute, on your treadmill, if you're walking the dog, or your focus for the day. You've been listening to After the Bell podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.